This is Back to Devi, a show brought to you by Campus to Canton. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. And today, like every other show out there, we're going to go over week zero reactions. We're going to talk about some G5 guys we're looking forward to this season. And we're going to give some of our opinions on the depth charts that are being released right now. But first, Corey with the news. And short, short news segment here, because um, we'll be getting into the depth charts a little bit later. So uh, we'll talk about those when we get there. But uh, first, heading over to Ohio State, where uh, quarterback Kyle McCord is going to start the game this weekend. But they still say Devin Brown is going to play. So really not getting any answers there. But at least we're going into the game with Kyle McCord, the expected starter. Um, heading over to South Carolina, where we've been watching the health of uh, Juice Wells there, Antoine Wells. He is practicing, and it looks like he's going to be good to go for week one. So some good news there. Um, heading over to some kind of tragic news over at Nebraska, heading over to tight end Eric Gilbert. You know, this guy's kind of had a lot of problems off the field so far. He's been arrested on burglary charges. Uh, the the video is pretty brutal you can catch it on twitter if you look it up uh, uh, no, like, my boy he did nothing wrong yeah. <laughs> it looks, well I mean, it looks like he breaks into some type of like vape store or like a cannabis store or whatever or something really poor job hiding who he is he's just like wearing like this like face mask but like his whole body is showing like if he has any like identification you can obviously probably see on tattoos or something and then you know the cops are like outside the building waiting for him before he gets out like i don't know what like you're going in for some vapes and some papers like i don't understand like this is striking me as like some unfortunate like it was kind of sad like it might be some bipolar cte stuff i don't know i just hope that he can kind of get the help that he needs to get back on track for himself because this seems like it's just going south in a bad way right now um Heading good over though. to he had some good hands. They like came in with the guns. He, he had those thumbs <laughs> yeah. together, like good form. I'm Mike's like, gonna give a scouting huh? report on his on his uh, burglary. He was, he was ready to catch those bullets. I was like, this guy, this guy did some off field training. He lost some weight. He's looking fit. He was looking fit actually. He was looking pretty trim. He did definitely look yeah. 270. That's for sure. Right. Um, heading over to uh, Ole Miss, former UTSA wide receiver transferred over there, expected to be the wide receiver one, Zachary Franklin. He hasn't been practicing since he arrived there in the summer, and he still isn't today. I'd consider him highly questionable coming into Week One here. Um, and then heading to his former teammate over at UTSA, DeCorian Clark. He is practicing a little bit they've actually determined that he's going to be a game time decision so that's been one uh wide receiver health we've been uh trying to look towards here and then some really bad news out of georgia we haven't talked about this yet happened like a day after we posted last week that's branson robinson torres Batella tendon um this is a really tough injury for running backs to come from uh, to come back from uh mike what are you doing with branson robinson in your rankings now that this has happened to him I've nuked him. I've put him all the way down, I believe, at like RB39. And just to give context for people listening, that's like I, I put him right in front of Trevante Citizen, but right behind LaQuinn Allen, Dylan Hayden, Dallin Hayden, even Richard Young. So mm-hmm. I, I, have, I have a weird fandom for Cameron Scadabo, even though I don't think he really has a high NFL ceiling, <laughs> but he's in there at 35. So just give him some names. He's around there. Um, and Scadabo's probably lower. He's just, I'm just kind of fanboying lately over him. But uh, yeah, so he's kind of like on the on the cusp of like day three guys I think might do something in the NFL. And then there's like a bunch of guys that I think can get drafted but won't be doing anything in the NFL. Like that's kind of like right where I put him. Yeah, like this is kind of hard because like this is this is a guy too who like I would say is more on like maybe the power backs 
spectrum, I guess, like like a athletic power back anyways. But like now we're going to take away probably some athleticism if he even comes back to full health. We're talking about a guy we're going to take some athleticism away from. So now really like I know people like to joke that he turns like a like a steamboat out there. Now he might actually turn like a steamboat out there. Like I'm a little bit worried about how he comes back, you know, even shades of like Mo Ibrahim. I know it was an Achilles coming back last year, but he lost a ton of burst. He did not look like himself. Like I'm just – I'm scared of how Branson Robinson is going to come back from that. And UGA like is constantly filled with like stud running backs. Like he's just going to have to do a lot to climb up. I will say we could look to, to Zamir White to, you know, toward the ACL in high school, um, toward the ACL shortly into his UGA career too, as well. And eventually still became the guy later in his career enough to get fourth round capital. That could still happen to Branson Robinson, in my opinion. Um, but you know, he's, he's definitely got a long road to, to travel here now. Yeah. I, I hope he gets well. Um, I hope he feels better. You know what's gonna help him feel better, Corey? <laughs> what's gonna help make make him feel better? Home field apparel. <laughs> and he could do that with the promo code Campus, the number two in Ken for fifteen percent off at Home Field Apparel. He can get himself some vintage Georgia t shirts and remember when he his knees were okay and be like, Yep, this was the golden years right here. So <laughs> hopefully he gets some home field apparel. The promo code is campus, the number two, and then Canton for 15% off your first purchase. And also be sure, guys, to head over to the campuscanton.com website where you can purchase our CFF, Devi, or supplemental draft guides uh, with all the information that you need to attack your drafts this offseason. Those are a $20 one-time purchase or become a member with many of our subscription options, some of which include access to these draft guides, uh, access to all the awesome tools you see posted on Twitter, as well as the brand new C2C Winning Edge, which is a collaboration with CFB Winning Edge, help bring you the amazing in-depth work that he does on projections, uh, returning production, game spread projections, for all you betters out there so make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts uh the youtube channel make sure you guys are keeping it locked on the youtube channel every saturday as well from here on throughout the season make sure you're catching the pre-show uh, in the morning called the tailgate you'll see a um a devy session from us there a segment there um the guys will be going through some start sit questions keeping up to date on all the injuries heading into it a lot of betting tips as well so make sure you guys are spending your entire day with us over there saturday on the youtube channel for campus to canton all right, let's get into some week zero reactions here. There's really only two games I truly cared about the other day. Um, yeah, 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 and they're the only two I actually watched, so I feel like I missed out on some good games, though. Otherwise, but just excited that football is back. Let's let's start with the no, let's start off with USC. Sorry, USC, Corey. I want to ask you a question about the USC receiver core here. Who do you think ran the most routes? Well, I mean, this is kind of cheating, I guess, because like I looked at snap counts, which had them like right. decided as well. That. So I kind of like know the answer to this, but you can go ahead. Let, let us know what the, what the routes were. Is Mario Williams with 23 routes mm-hmm. ran? No, 29 receiving routes uh, ran, but like was very unproductive. Look, Mario Williams, I think it's just done. We've been, we haven't said it in a long time on this podcast. I've seen some people on our Discord ask about him. So I just want to reiterate that I think the website as a whole. <clears throat> is done with Mario Williams as being as far as like a Devi asset or a potential NFL guy. Um, but let's talk about the freshman sensation, Zach Wright branch uh, 16 routes run four targets, four receptions, 58 yards and one touchdown. He looked electric and I released my like updated freshman rankings on graphic form on Twitter. I want to say like a week ago. Um, and I moved him down to four. I've always just been scared of these smaller guys because they're either like super electric or they're very like, I don't know, ordinary as far as other small guys go in the NFL. So I like it's I think it was I think it was uh JJ actually commented on it and said um 
like why do you have him at four? And I was like, he's either Jalen Waddle or he's nothing. And I just feel really good about him becoming Jalen Waddle now. I really do. Yeah, like I mean, that was definitely one of the better freshman um, um, debuts that we've seen. Over 200 all-purpose yards, if you include some of the kick return yards. He did have a kick return for a touchdown as well, 90-something yards. But, you know, like you said, a little bit towards his size, a little bit. Only a 2.08 dot, like... You know, like he, it was all manufactured touches that he was getting a lot yeah. of the time. You know, he's electric, he's special, but we, that is one thing that we will have to see um, further down the line is kind of a little bit more development of that, that route tree. And hopefully we'll see how this is. I mean, this is first look ever in a collegiate uniform. So I thought it was really impressive. It definitely gave us uh, some confidence in, you know, at least the company ranking him as our wide receiver one coming into this game. Um, I thought it was interesting that, uh, Makai Lemon actually played one more snap than Branch, but obviously yeah. Branch got all the, all the playing time. Dorian Singer actually led the team in snaps. Um, but this all of this just goes to show how like all over the place this wide receiver team is, or this wide receiver core is going to be. Deuce Robinson led the team in, in targets. I'm pretty sure he had like the least snaps of all these guys. Like it's just like all over the place, but still a good sign to see a lot of these young guys are at least getting on the field. I do think we have to talk about one guy here though. <laughs> But Mr. Okay. Brendan Rice, a guy that we, you know, we've talked about a lot this offseason. He did play the third most snaps uh, at 27, but only got one target the whole game early in the fourth on a screen pass. Caleb was still in the game, so that's one good thing about it. It was a 12-yard touchdown that he took in. I just don't think there's any way that we can't be disappointed with how much. I, I expect him to be on the field a little bit more to start the game, but he just didn't seem to be part of the early game plan. I... Okay, so I, I did write a watch list article <clears throat> like two weeks ago, and I gave projections on that where I had people. I wrote down for Brendan Rice. He's either plays like he did at Tulane, like against Tulane, and he's a day two pick, or he plays like he did the rest of the 2022 season, and he gets drafted late day three because his, his last name is Rice. Yeah. He's related to Jerry Rice. And I, I'm not saying I was never a fan of him. I was a fan. But – it was more out of my hatred for Dorian Singer and how overinflated he is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a little bit out on Brendan Rice. Like these type of performances, like he needs to capitalize on. Although, like again, it's everything, everything, everything. Week zero is just an overreaction. Like it yeah. has to be. Like there's, this is just the first week. Even the snap counts, like across the board, like they're so even across the entire wide receiver core. So it's not like there's much to take away here. No one was really on the field a ton. It seemed to be rotated through pretty, pretty evenly. So, um. Yeah, it's just with these older guys, these seniors, like they need to have that blow up year. If they don't already have like an established name, they need to blow up. And he just hasn't done it and he's not gonna do it off of one catch for twelve yards. Yeah, I mean it was a touchdown at least. So that's that's not too bad. But yeah. I mean I mean just to be realistic about like his expectations, I mean, we even made an NFL draft watch list uh, graphic that we put on Twitter. You guys can see a bunch of our our watch list list guys that we think could kind of come out of nowhere and become like like draft options. We talked about Rice. We didn't even put him on there as the five options. Like, I think that we're being realistic in what we're expecting. Like, we're like, this is a guy that we like the traits. He showed that pop in that in that bowl game. And it's like, there's been some buzz this offseason. Hopefully, it's going to lead to something this year. And yeah, we kind of dipped our toes in and, you know, started backing him a lot. But I'm not out completely after this game. I, I still think that he was at least involved. Um, and, you know, 27 snaps, he was the third person or a uh, third leading guy to get the most snaps. So I'm, I'm hoping that evolves into something a little bit more down the line. I still think he offers something that this room is kind of missing right now. I must feel like Deuce fills. No, never mind. Sorry. I don't know. There's just, sorry. No one just flips so easy. I was like, kind of Deuce, I kind of fills that. Let's, want- let's talk about Deuce real quick. He did bring up his like targets, which was six targets, but he six left tar- with. Yeah. Three for 44. Three for 44. I think, did he have a drop in there? 
Did he even count it? They I, did count the drop. I remember him dropping the ball. Yeah, I, um, I, I, I think he did, yeah. Yeah. Three of his catches were contested catches, or three targets were contested targets, two were for catches. Anyway, um, he looked really good out there. I know Austin said this. I just want to echo it, too. I really wish he was labeled as a tight end, but um, yeah. like this could be a Kyle Pitts-level tight end. I mean, he was tier one for all of us before the whole baseball drama happened for the recruiting team. So I imagine... I feel like a lot of them would feel comfortable promoting him too as like being a guy to keep your eye on. I did see some people talking about him in comparison to Drake London. So I kind of want to ask you again, like Drake London is a little bit different of a play style and this is obviously just one game, but like, let's just hypothetically say Deuce Robinson's like six foot five. He's not six foot six. Do you think he can like develop into that mold of Mike Williams? Cause he is the poster child for the six foot five wide receivers, not Mike Williams, yeah. excuse me, Mike Evans. Yeah, like I think that's that's his thing at worst here. I'm not totally off the off the possibility that he could be a tight end at the next level either. There's a lot of guys that are just you know they, with their athleticism and their size they can beat up on the collegiate level, but but their athleticism at their size might be more well suited for the NFL. I don't think that's completely out of the question for him just now. But if he does stay at wide receiver, I'm almost a little less interested. Did I guess like it's I'm kind of uncharted just, uh, waters? Yeah, yeah, I'm like worried about that archetype at the NFL too. Like I just like we haven't we won't see it succeed that much, so it's kind of hard to see like how that that fits. I mean, we did our traits episode a little while ago. We talked about how that's kind of like a fading, um, fading type of wide receiver that they're putting a lot of uh, value in now in the water in uh, in the NFL. So it's kind of hard um, to get. On. I hope he's more of a tight end at the next level. Yeah, Do you want to take your early victory lap on this ride on this uh, running back core? <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be super annoying about it in the slack probably every day i did my like daily uh message in our slack saying uh marshawn lloyd rb2 uh marshawn lloyd has been um i don't know staying afloat for no reason in people's debut rankings uh purely off of his high school profile which i think is fine like he had a phenomenal high school profile i don't want to take that away from him i don't want to like argue that it's just that it's been three years. Like his high school profile can't carry on for three years. Now we're entering, I think, year four. He wasn't the first running back on the field. He didn't get the initial touches. He might have outtouched them, but that was like after the second half. This is like after they had their firm lead and they're rotating everyone in through like the rotation. And I don't think he looked good either. I, I, I just don't. I don't think he looked good at all. He looked okay. I mean, you're playing San Jose State and he ran for what did he run for? Nine attempts for 42 yards. What was how many touches did Quinton Joiner get the true freshman there? Um, Since you're looking at it right there, I felt like he almost had the same amount of touches as Marshawn Lloyd by like halftime. Probably by halftime, but oh my god, there's way too many people named Joiner. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but anyways, like it did seem like he wasn't super involved in the game plan early. He got in there for a couple plays. He's the only guy in the backfield as well that caught a pass. So it does seem like maybe. He'll be that at least in that role if they're from playing from behind or something like that. Maybe we, we see him on the field a little bit more. But yeah, they seemed they, they seemed devoted to giving Austin Jones a first chance to at least you know lead this backfield. Even though I think it will still be more of a split load down uh, down the line or whatever. I don't think Austin Jones is really that special. But I mean, when you're playing with this type of offense, I don't even know if you really have to be special. It, it was nice to see at least Joiner get out there and get some touches. A lot of young guys got some playing time yeah. in this game. So. Yeah, I'd love to see that too. You love to see the the rotation, the young talent. I mean, that's what we want to see too. Like, I don't really want to be too. I, I never like being too um, critical of freshman performances. I just want to see them beat the year one zero theory. Like, that's it. Um. Okay. So we, I didn't really talk about Dorian Singer too much. He was four for forty one and one touchdown, ran twenty routes. Do you have any thoughts on Singer? 
I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't think he did anything like crazy special. He was, I don't know. You know, he just existed. Yeah, he did. Fine. He just, yeah. <laughs> You're not going to hear us talk good about Dorian Singer. Okay. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, but I will, I will succeed defeat on Brendan Rice. I was not like really, yeah. really backing him. I, it I'm looks okay. like it, at least week zero, it looks like it's, I mean, if that first group that came out and played during like the first quarter is like their group that they're going to rely on, yeah, Brandon Rice was more of like a rotational fourth than anything. Yeah, and I think Canvas Life said it best. Uh, I think they said over there that you know we've been saying the entire website has been saying that like the real talent is in like the true freshman that came in, not with yes, the existing yeah. pieces. And I think I, I think at least even the casual watchers can think about that statement and be like, yeah, they're right. The, the true freshman really did look really good compared to the veterans. Um, you good? Ready to head on over to Notre Dame? Let's do it. I want to talk about the quarterback here first. Sam Hartman, uh, 19 for 24 for 251 yards and four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in like mid spring, I made a graphic for the website, uh, about like my top 10 like quarterbacks going into the draft, like super way too early. I think I put Sam Hartman at like QB 10. Stop it. I think I did. I know he's a six year guy. Um, I know his like efficiency numbers as far as like from Wake look terrible. I think they're like a, like he has a career like fifty six percent accuracy, like you know, completion percentage. And I just think it's the slow mesh system just forcing him to throw this stuff without like setting his mechanics up well. And I'm just I'm just loving this Notre Dame system. They have a really good offensive line. It's allowing him to like process and to actually like. Th- I just like this old school style football instead of like Wake Forest little gimmicky stuff. So I think it's really trying to show off what Sam Hartman can do. And I I think I truly mean this. I do think he's like an early day three type of guy. We're going to see him ball out in the preseason. He'll be a backup and maybe we never hear from him ever again. Like, I mean, day three is not a crazy thought anyways. I don't know. Like I think Hartman can be that he's a very experienced guy. And that actually seems to be the thing that's trending in the NFL right now is a lot of these guys in the preseason that have done well, have been guys who have played like a lot of years or started a lot of games in college, like, cause they're just expecting them to come in and play a lot more. And so these guys that don't have a lot of um, uh, starts in their belt, like they're not doing as well at the next level. So Hartman could definitely be that guy, but still, I just, I'm not in on him as an NFL quarterback. I don't know about the arm talent, but I also think that he's just late on a lot of throws, man. There was a touchdown he could have had in the end zone. If he had threw in that ball a little bit earlier, the guy, I can't remember which wide receiver it was, had a wide, had like two steps on the guy, threw the ball late. He had to stop in the end zone and then the pass got broken up. And it was just like a lot of stuff like that, which is, you know, I I think he's going to play well enough to raise the game of this wide receiver core. And that's really what I'm more concerned with when it comes to Debbie. Um, I just uh, like, I'm not going to take Sam Hartman in any kind of Debbie draft. If that's something that you want to do, you want to take your shot on him. That's fine. I just don't think there's a lot of upside there. No, I'm for the next level. I'm just saying you can look for his name on draft. And I think he goes to the senior bowl, get some hype at the senior bowl. I just, uh, I don't think he's dead. I I just, I'm trying to say. No, I mean, look at what Aiden O'Connell is doing right now. I don't think it's crazy to think Sam Hartman is going to be the Aiden O'Connell of next year's preseason. Yeah, that would probably be pretty fair. Yeah, I think that's fair. <clears throat> uh, I, I also don't know about all the Aiden O'Connell stuff. But anyway, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. Um, Going over to, to uh, Jaden Greyhouse, talking about the pass catchers here first. Mm-hmm. Uh, three for three, uh, 68 yards, two touchdowns. He only ran seven routes. Yeah, um, that's crazy. His first catch of the year, dude, I had PTSD, by the way. His first catch of the year was like a touchdown for like, what, like 25 yards. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about 
remember Tobias Merriweather's one touch for, for like one catch for a touchdown last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just disappeared off the face of the earth. And I was like, <laughs> please don't, please don't disappear on me already. Um, but anyway, uh, so only seven rounds run. This was against Navy. That first touchdown catch was like he was he was in line. It was definitely in the Z. I think the DB thought it was gonna be a run play and expected like Jaden Grouse to block him. And he just swept the arms, created a lot of initial separation off the line. And then the DB caught up to him. You know, he still yeah. made the catch, made the touchdown, but the DB definitely closed in on the space that he created. And we've been saying for a long time, everyone here has, uh, that we're just worried about the athleticism. Now, I kind of said he lost some weight. Maybe the athleticism improved. Um, that one sequence kind of scared me. So we're going to be debating for the next four the next no, four years. It's going to be four years. We're going to be debating the next four years. I think he gets drafted in say, day two. I think he's going to be like, I don't know, a third rounder, but we're still going to be here. Like, is he Keenan Allen or is he David Bell? Like, which one's yeah. it going to be? And we're going to be talking about that for the next four years. And I'm not looking forward to that discord, but I think I am the highest on him. I think I'm the biggest truther. I'm trying to pull up our rankings here. So I think I have met like wide receiver 18. Yeah, you were getting mad at how low he was in the Debbie guide, like during the game, like while it was going on, like getting mad at everybody about how low. But we do have like some concerns about like how the overall profile will translate to the NFL level. It's like a very small spectrum of players that succeed with his skill set, right? So he has to be like truly special. And like, yeah. you know, a guy with a lot of experience in high school as well, started like all four years of his high school career. And a performance like this might propel him into a bigger role. Like, I think uh, what Austin said on campus like yesterday, like, I agree that we, there, there's a point of this that we have to pump the brakes because like 10 snaps that's or, or less than 10 snaps. I like, you know, not creating a ton of separation. Like the plan wasn't the plan coming in wasn't for him to have a huge role. Now you have a performance like this. Now it's might propel him into a bigger role as the year goes on. So I'm still happy about it. I don't think you need to like, like, curb your excitement about him like if you were excited about him i think this like solidifies it like don't go raising him up or anything like that i just think we need to pump the brakes on him being this involved every week don't dr fall off a cliff now when he only catches one ball next week or something like that you know like i just think this was a good start i think you can be happy with the way it went yeah and then also speaking of snap counts we did it for usc only four guys got over 10 snaps here for notre dame they also rotated their young guys in they mostly just pounded the rock like that's all they wanted to do um but like for snap counts, you had Tobias Merriweather with 20, uh, Jaden Thomas with 18, and then it drops all the way down for 11 for uh, Price, the running back, the running back yeah. Price. Chris Tyree, the wide receiver that thinks he's a, like the running back that thinks he's a wide receiver at 10. <laughs> like it's there wasn't like that many snaps going around either. And this is a terrible defense. I mean, this is like a 130th ranked team that they played against. So um, yeah, I don't expect Jaden Greyhouse to have this weekly performance this early, but. If you're a manager, you should at least feel extremely good about his CFF production. You should feel pretty good about that. Let's talk about one Mr. Audric Estime in the backfield here. Um, yes. A lot of people have been talking about him. Uh, I talked about him a little bit on the Debbie session on the tailgate coming up to it. You know that he's kind of a guy that's very polarizing in this community right now. And I, you know, I wrote his profile for the Debbie guide. Um, you know, I say he had a bad habit sometimes of blowing his head, uh, like, like blowing into line with his head down, you know, kind of lack some patience, like vision, like vision at the line a little bit like that. And I know it was only like one game, but I did think he made some nice cuts up field wide open holes. I will say that there wasn't, there was a lot of resistance Huge. here from this, from this offensive line, but um, you know, I think he made some good decisions at the line. I thought, I think I saw some more patience at the line that I wanted to see. And I think he has a little bit of juice if he can get up field. Now, if you knock him off his course, if you, if, 
going to ask him to change directions. Now you get in his way, you slow him down in the backfield. I don't know if he has the acceleration to kind of get back up to speed fast enough to get back to line of scrimmage or whatever. We kind of saw it on that outside run we were talking about before the show, but you know, on that pass that he caught, I thought he picked up a head of steam pretty well. Um, You know, if you're just asking him to make a a one cut and go, like, I think he can be a strong one cut runner. He's got the size. Everybody's going to talk about the 11 missed, missed tackles for us in this game, you know, was more of the broken tackle variety on this, but you know, I, I feel like I'm kind of in on estimate. I just, I'm in on him at his value right now like i wouldn't want him i wouldn't want to take him like super higher than this but it's like i'm interested at this value at his value i guess i got you (laughs) um (laughs) uh i i thought he ran great too again this was such a poor defense also like the military has standards for weight so like these linemen too like probably had a good like 60 70 80 pounds on them i think c to c winning edge might actually have that i'm not too positive but the the weight difference in the lines gotta be pretty massive too. I mean, he was untouched going to the secondary, like pretty yeah, often. A lot of the time, yeah. Um uh one thing Corey didn't mention was that he had a fumbling issue last year. He also phoned the ball uh and this week too. So that's yeah. On a relatively fumbling. easy run too, that didn't seem like he needed to that he, it shouldn't have been a fumble, like to be honest. He hit the spin cycle, man. He lost <laughs> yeah. himself too. Yeah. <laughs> Try um, to dance too much. Yeah, so that's an issue that's got to be like fixed too. As far as like Devi goes, like again, this was a super easy matchup. This is an overreaction, but I, yeah, I think he's a day three guy. But I think he's like a mid day three guy. This is like a like I when I look at him, I don't know if he's better than Chris Rodriguez. I don't know if he's better than the Wayne McBride. Like yeah. That's kind of like in the category I put him in. So I, I'm not saying I think he gets drafted. I think he goes to an NFL team. I think he'd be a handcuff. But um, yeah, I, I thought he was a good runner today. I really did. Um. As far as like his speed goes, because you know some people say that he's fast, and I'm saying he's slow. He's just a build-up speed runner, and I don't think yeah. at the next level he'll get as many big lanes the way he did to build up that speed. So I just think he's a good, he's a very good hammer, a very good hammer. Yeah, and he's, you know, make one cut. Don't don't ask him to do anything else other than that, you know. But other than that, you know, I will give a quick shout out to the backup as well, Jadarian Price, who did make his return from the Achilles in this game. Uh, had like a twenty yard touchdown in this game, so you know, hope, hoping he can return to form here. But he could become the, the running back two in this offense. But a lot of guys got touches as well, so I really, I really don't know where that's ended. We got to see Jeremiah Love. Do you have any thoughts on that? By the way, I know we didn't put him on the sheet, but like four attempts for forty yards. Yeah, I, don't know I did. He got in early too. I feel like like in the second quarter. I'm pretty sure I saw him get a run. So I have been a little bit low on love, I will say, because some of the size concerns there and uh, a little yeah, bit of a, of a loaded backfield. Um, but they did show some faith to get him some early playing time, which which was something that, that at least put him on my radar a little bit more. I'll, I'll be watching. You know, I'm not going to do anything drastic or anything, but promising at least to see him get some touches here. Longest run of the day at 21. Audrey Gasmay can only get 13 yards. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> he's your hammer man he's your hammer uh the yeah. only the only other game here uh, of the week for, with power five at least um implications at least was vandy versus hawaii i don't know if you have any thoughts on this i just wanted to say you know will shepherd had a pretty nice game again like, i think that he's gonna be a wide receiver that's playing on sundays um you know had two touchdowns in this game um i just don't think he's gonna be drafted i don't know if he's ever has a ceiling to be a day two uh, type of guy um, but the other guy in this game you know had a pretty uh, I love the involvement of um, true sophomore coming in this year now Jade McGowan look kind of good in this game you know a small fast guy um, pretty productive as a true freshman last year as well had like what 400 yards and like six touchdowns uh, 
last year. Pretty involved in this game. Eight targets, six catches, over 70 yards. Essentially the same volume as Shepard, but Shepard got the two touchdowns, which made his day look a little bit better. Um, you know, this guy ran like a 10.61 100-meter dash. So definitely got some speed to him. He's just kind of like in that smaller mold. Um, but he's an interesting guy that I think I'm kind of going to be watching out for this year. Yeah, Will Shepard did have a drop too. Again, uh, he's just... Like I think about when I when I watch Will Will Shepard, I think about At Perry. Like I think that's very like comparable skill sets there. So I yeah. so I like think about except for he has clearly worse hands than At Perry. So so we gotta see if we clean up. I definitely is a day three guy though. Definitely like maybe a senior bowl invite. Definitely yeah. someone to watch. And then yeah, you know Jaden McGowan. We should probably talk about him more. I think we've acknowledged his existence once in a while, but we never yeah. we never talk about him. He's on like the uh, who's the guy from BC you always talk about? Like I feel like he's on that spectrum. Uh, Ryan uh, O'Keefe. No, no, no. The the big tall guy, freshman from last year. Oh, jo- uh, Joseph Griffin. Joseph Griffin. It's like these two guys were like the two freshmen that did some stuff last year, and like nobody seems to talk about them too much. Yeah. But I can't endorse guys that are five foot eight. It's just not in my blood. I can't. Yeah, do it. it's hard. Uh, I will just say the running game in this game struggled as a whole as well. You know, maybe pump the brakes a little bit on Cedric Alexander, the true freshman who was getting a lot of buzz heading into this game. Um, some people think he could be the the leading rusher of this game or uh, of this team this year. Only had five touches. The other guys got a lot more touches. So maybe it'll be something that happens over time. You can keep watching him at least. But I definitely used a couple late picks on him uh, in C2C that I'm a little bit worried about now. Hey, they're late picks. They're all just you're just yeah. They're all late day. picks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right, like it, that's that's it for our week zero reactions. Uh, I know Campus Life already gave theirs. You heard ours. You'll have to hear it from probably back to or probably Debbie Debbie debate. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> what everyone's doing now. So yeah, we're excited. Um, it's week zero, dude. Yeah, I'm so pumped about football. And you know what? I'm a little upset about doing a little bit of a tangent here. Is that months ago I agreed to go to the lake this weekend and I didn't realize oh. it was week one. Yeah, dude, I know. So <laughs> I'm gonna be like drinking beers, but I'm not gonna be watching football. <laughs> be real upset I know about the it. the wife was like, let's you know, let's make a little quick trip. Let's go drive out to the states quick or whatever. Go to like the Mall of America or whatever. Make a make a weekend of it. I'm like, it's week one of college football. Yeah. <laughs> she usually she look on her face. She was not very happy when I said that, but yeah. I did like a the girl's next... trip. You haven't done a girl's trip in forever. Yeah, exactly. What about you? What are your girls doing? No, but then I'm left at home with yeah. the kid. And then that's, uh, that's, uh, I no, I need her here. <laughs> um, all right. So we're going to go into some depth chart depth. I, I struggle with that word. Depth chart reaction. Um, there's a lot of them getting dropped recently, uh, just throughout this whole week. Obviously, this is a Tuesday recording, so there's gonna be a ton more dropped by Friday. So we're gonna miss some of the exciting ones because I would love to talk about like Alabama. I just want to know where Jacory Brooks is. You know, Corey hinted at me going off about Jaden Greyhouse's like ranking because I'm sitting over here watching Corey Brooks so high. But correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't somebody post one? Somebody, Alabama? I don't know if it was projected or something someone, like that. Yeah, someone did post their final projected, and it was like, oh, okay, because the projected camera. starters of that too was Burton, Isaiah Bond, and Malik Benson. And I was like, oh shit, they're going with like the young guys. Yeah, that at, makes at, sense with me. Actually. Yeah, that'd be awesome if that actually yeah. did happen. But yeah, nothing official yet with Alabama. That, sell to Corey Brooks while you can. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, we don't. So we're just. I listed off a whole bunch of random teams. Um, let's start off with Clemson. Uh, me and Corey are Adam Randall truthers. We mm-hmm. are both Corey is more the bigger fan than me, but I, I I believe in him too. He is listed as a starting wide receiver. He does have a or designation next to him for Cole Turner. Um, and just for everyone new, Adam Randall tore an ACL last year, came back in record breaking time, didn't really play well, but played well enough to beat the year one zero mold. 
he had another like cleanup surgery on his other knee early in the winter. We're all getting worried. There's like weight gain. And then like in the spring, he like shows us like a, a shirtless picture where he's just shredded and he's like working out and playing football. And we're like, oh, he's fine now. So it's been an emotional roller coaster for us Adam Randall guys. Um, but I actually feel like this is a pretty big win seeing him listed as a starter, even if there is an or or not. I, I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, and for what it's worth, I mean, Cole Turner has actually had quite a bit of buzz this offseason. Not really a guy I've ever looked into. I don't know if I should look into him or not. We'll see how much he ends up playing. But, yeah, actually, I think this has actually been a pretty positive offseason for Adam Randall. A lot of the guys on the team are talking about how they're excited for him. And, I mean, you should look at this guy. He looks like a like a like a freaking true X wide receiver, man. Like I'm, I'm pretty excited for him. I think that, you know, I, I, Cade had, when I've watched him, he likes to throw it up a lot to a lot of these guys. Maybe he's just resorting to that because he just didn't know the playbook that much, but in the short sample size that we saw, he liked to throw it up a lot. And I think Adam Randall's could be that guy for him this year. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm not too worried about the, or uh, listed here at least, but I think Adam Randall could be in for a big season. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped about it. Going on to our next, there's nothing else more to say about Clemson. Going on to the next no. one, though, Oklahoma. Um, the one thing that caught my eye was the running back duo. Obviously, Javante Barnes got some running last year, uh, had a pretty good end of season. Uh, Gavin Solchuk also looked pretty electric himself, end of the season. Uh, they are not the two starting duo at running back. It's listed as Marcus Major, who I want to say averaged like 4.1 yards per carry last year. Mm-hmm. And then a guy I had a look up named Tawee Walker. I'm, I, I hope I didn't mess up that last name, but. Tawi Walker. Yeah, like I know Marcus Major has gotten like some some buzz throughout his career, at least earlier on in his career when he could potentially have been the guy to take over this backfield at one point, but he's constantly dealt with injuries. He's never stayed healthy. Um, I don't know what this is. I don't know if this is like are you just giving like like some credibility to the older guys a little bit or you know like is this just kind of like a policy thing or whatever like i know walker also had a very good spring game they actually talked about him a lot and it's probably just a guy that we're just kind of pushing to the side because he's a walk-on um it it seems like a guy who that we really shouldn't be paying attention to very much but the team seems to like him at least he could be playing a lot more than we realize if he's at least listed above the other two guys but i'm at least hoping looking at this that this is just more of like a I don't know, giving some love to the senior guys here or just giving them some love for the work they've done in the offseason because I know Barnes and Sawchuck, I think, both spent time injured this offseason. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely Barnes. And I, I don't know if you peaked at last year's like week zero episode that we did, um, but like I'm looking back at some of our old notes. Kendry Miller was listed at or with four other running backs, like four other <laughs> oh, running backs. Oh, jeez, yeah. O'Connell's listed at or behind like EJ Williams. I don't like so – I don't want people to get caught up about these depth charts. I mean, you definitely feel better seeing your guy on top than you do, but it's not the end of the world if, if, if they're not on top right now. Just yeah. wait until the games start rolling through. Uh, going to Oklahoma State here, uh, your guy, Ollie Gordon, speaking of running back splitting, he's he's RB1 with like three other guys. Did you see at that? Le- like- at least he was listed at the top. I was actually pretty happy about that because Gundy, I know he loves his veteran guys. He always wants to rock with the veteran. I'm pretty happy. He, he seemed to, the comments seem to have been tough on Ollie Gordon throughout the offseason all the time, saying he wanted to see more from him, wanted to be tougher and blah, blah, blah. But hey, putting him at number one, maybe he's just trying to push him. The old Bill Parcells, you know, just being mean to him, even though when you actually think he's the guy, you know, you just kind of push him a little bit to make him keep stay hungry and maybe that's what's going to happen here. I'm still pretty excited about uh, what he could potentially be in this offense. Over at Florida, uh, Eugene Wilson, we're all kind of fans of everyone is pretty scared of Graham merch throwing, but he's listening on the 2d behind Ricky Pearsall. Um, 
although with unlike Notre Dame here who just smacked uh Navy around, I don't know if Florida's gonna be up enough games this year to like give like their two deeps enough opportunity. I mean Ricky Pearsall is their one. Like I don't know if Hugin Wilson gets on the field enough to beat the year one zero mold. Yeah, and Pearsall is also a major slot guy, if I'm not mistaken. So with the, like like the change going to Mertz, maybe you know Anthony Richardson just kind of liked targeting his slot guy. Like I don't really know who's going to be the guy here, but I did also know Aiden Mizell did make the three deep at least. He's a third wide receiver yeah. here, and Andy Jean after a strong spring, I, you know people are talking like he might break this starting lineup. He's listed as a wide receiver three. That was a little bit surprising to me at least. Yeah. But and then it- happy, go ahead. Sorry, Aiden Mizell is actually listed behind Eugene Wilson, too. So, yeah, fresh behind a freshman there. So, I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> yeah. So, I, uh, it seems like they're going to at least give these guys shots to get on the field, but it's not a team we're very excited about. Going over to Washington, obviously, they have a lot of offensive potential returning. I did want to note that Jeremy Bernard, who Austin's been kind of a fan of lately, is actually too deep behind Jalen Polk. I don't know what your thoughts are on Jalen Polk. I think Jalen Polk is a fine reliable wide receiver three Mm -hmm. um but i think we could both agree that jeremy bernard has a much higher ceiling i don't know like do you think he could win like he could beat out polk for like more touches towards the end of the year like he can take over that role uh, man, I don't think you're giving enough credit to Polk a little bit in this in this okay. equation. Like I think he's I think he's had some pretty nice moments. I don't think he's like an explosive wide receiver. I think he's more of like on your possession ske- uh, spectrum. Um, but he's been a reliable wide receiver. He's done well, especially if one of the other guys have missed a game or whatever. So I think that he's in really high standing here. And I just don't know if we've seen enough of Jeremy Bernard to think that he could be as good as Jalen Polk or as consistent as he's been as a wide receiver three right now. So I think. I'm looking towards next year for Jeremy Bernard. I don't think that he can take over without an injury here, to be honest with you. All right. All right. Now I, I, <laughs> I can kind of get behind that. And then your guy, Dylan Johnson, uh, RB alone yeah. at the top of the depth chart. I love that. I mean, I, I, um, I talked about our, our watch list graphics that we put out through the campus again, Twitter, this guy, you know, I, I tossed him in at the end of the running back watch list. Cause you know, with Cam Davis going out now, it, uh, you know, Dylan Johnson gets listed as a starter as running back one. you know, I wrote his Debbie guide profile as well. This guy was a hard guy to evaluate because he was in that Mike Leach system at Mississippi state. Um, the, didn't get a lot of running plays out of that system. Did catch over 150 balls though in that system over the past three years was primarily used in their short yardage situations. They like Jacobius marks for some of the other stuff, but there's a chance to see him be a real running back here. And he's got the size. He's got some um, good verified athleticism, like in the four or five area as a recruit. So you imagine that probably gets better throughout his career as well. Like I think there's some sneaky potential here, especially in a good offense. He's definitely on the, on the sleeper spectrum to me. Yeah. Yeah. There can be a lot of goal line stuff there. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I like the pass catching background. I know it's it's a lot of swing outs, with a lot of low A dot stuff over at Mississippi State, but at least he he's comfortable catching the ball, which is something you like to see. And Washington doesn't really get a lot of good running backs. I can't remember the last good one they've had in a while. No, I just, I just, they're not coming to me. So I do feel like Dylan Johnson. Like, I'm not like a huge fan of the way you like. I'm clearly not the same level of fan of you are, but I do I do comfortably want to say like this is this is an upgrade. Yeah, and I will get. I, I did want to give a quick shout out to another true freshman here, Tayshawn Lyons, who did make the two deep, which I'm surprised about yeah. being as raw as he is. Making the two deep there is, is a good sign for him. Yeah, love to see that because a lot of us, once they give up hope, we just haven't talked about. Him, so maybe some people did internally give up some hope, but seeing him on that two deep's got to got to revive some of those feelings. Yeah, uh, going over to FSU, um, 
I have like no comment on this because I never looked into this player. This was kind of before my time of like scouting, like freshman. But Destin Hill is starting. Do you want to talk about yeah. Destin Hill at all? Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, just a guy who's been off of football for about two years now. And I never really knew what he did during those two years. I, I tried to look it up to see if like he'd been playing football anywhere. But no, he just had some kind of family issues that they didn't really get into. And he spent time away from football. And he's apparently been training in the area. And he's been good enough to come in and start and, and earn the starting slot position, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I think he has a complementary skill set to these guys. He's a little bit more of your route runner separation type guy that they're going to run out of the slot. He's six foot, about 190 pounds. Keon and, and uh, Johnny Wilson will be on the outside as the big tall towers in that offense. But this is kind of a whoa, whoa, fun... whoa. Keon had an or next to his name. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I mean, the way they talk about him there, I'm sure Keon's going to eventually be the guy there anyways. But yeah, he did have an or next to him. But it's a fun wide receiver core, actually. You know, I think they're going to make Jordan Travis look better than he is. People are going to buy into Jordan Travis because of this wide receiver core, making him look better than he actually is. We were excited about Vendrevious Jacobs. Uh, again, FSU is not really a team that develops or even oh, finds these route that. runners. These guys are like more like the raw athletes, you know, Tamorian Terry and uh, I can't think about the guys before him, but like, they just create kind of like big raw athletes that you hope to develop into X's. Um, so Destin Hill is a skill set we really haven't seen utilized there. So that's kind of exciting. Um, but also what was a surprise was Vendrevious Jacobs was not listed on that depth chart at all. But Hakeem Williams was. He was, I think it was three deep. But yeah, Vendrevious Jacobs left off. I don't think there's even anyone underneath Destin Hill for the slot. I don't know if that was on purpose, but there's no one underneath Destin Hill. That would be his skill set, though. I think that's where he would fall in as, you know, if there were injuries in for, uh, to Destin Hill or something like that. Like, I think that's where he yeah. would slot in probably, so. Maybe like an intern just got nervous about spelling his name wrong and just left them off altogether. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what I would do. Um, going over to Iowa. Uh, I've been a, I think actually the Debbie team as a whole has been a fan of Eric all uh, and Luke cliche, but I've definitely been more of a fan of Eric all, but they only had one tight end section on that depth chart and Luke cliche was at the top of it. Now we all know Iowa is going to run, you know, as many tight ends they are legally allowed to run on that field, but Luke Lachey was at the top. <laughs> yeah, I was the lone guy in our Devi group. I'm pretty sure to mark to rank him one spot ahead of Eric All in that in that uh, when we did our uh, rankings for the Devi the guy. Yeah, yeah, I did like the what I saw from him a little bit. You know, I think he's a little bit of a fluid mover. Uh, I think he catches the ball really well. I think he can fit a lot of what Sam Laporta did for this offense last year, which is. Uh, you know, a guy that can be stretched out, a guy that can can go out in the formation, a guy that can play to the slot outside, do those kind of things and have the athleticism to succeed like that as well. So I'm kind of excited for Luke here. Um, I, I am still worried, though, because I do think Eric All is a, a good player as well, former um, Michigan tight end coming over here. Um, and he's got some athleticism as well. So, you know, if there's any injury to Lachey or something like that, this could be a Wally Pip type thing for, for all I know with, uh, with, how, with the amount of talent that I think Eric All also has. Yeah, heading on over to Tennessee. Another or situation here. Squirrel White was listed as an or to Dante Thornton. I think a few guys here the site have talked about that being a possibility. And uh, I I think you have way more Squirrel White shares than I have. So mm -hmm. are you nervous? Are you nervous about this? Yeah, a little bit. I wasn't worrying early. I just thought it was kind of like Coach Beak, you know, uh, you know, trying to hype up the the flashy transfer you brought over here. But you know what we say, man, if if there's 
smoke, then there's fire something. You know what I mean? And there's lots of smoke yeah. coming out about Thornton this offseason. And there's been a lot of buzz about him looking really good. Squirrel spent a lot of time injured this offseason as well. Um, I do think, you know, Squirrel might not be the guy that needs a ton of volume anyways um, to, to boom or whatever. But I just have to, like, I have to admit, like, I'm getting worried with how much Thornton could possibly into his time, especially for a guy that I was confidently taking, you know, top three rounds in a, in a supplemental draft. Because, like, I was... I was sure this guy was going to be the next guy in line to take over the higher role, but I think his injury kind of set him back a little bit. Yeah. All of us, I think all of us would agree though, that we all thought scroll was taking over that Jalen higher role. Dante yeah. Thornton too, like just at one point in time was like talked about as being the better prospect than Troy Franklin over in Oregon. Remember that whole, like, I think that was like yeah. a year and a half ago. People were like, Thornton's the guy you want, not Troy Franklin. It's also such a weird mix between Squirrel, who's like 5'10", 165 pounds, and Dante Thornton, who's like 6'4", almost 200 pounds or whatever the heck he is. Like, I don't get yeah. that mix. Like, isn't your game plan different when you're talking about those? And maybe that's more of the thing. It's like maybe if they want to throw in a big slot for a play, Thornton gets in there. Maybe they want they're that both, speed they're right both down the speed field. Guys. Like, I think they're both yeah. speed guys. They're just different builds, but they're both – speed guys yeah and maybe that's what it, what it more is like i mean maybe it's just one spot for thornton to be on the depth chart he's probably the next backup at like almost every spot i would imagine yeah uh heading over to oregon state here uh i initially wrote i i think oregon state's offense is so bad you look at it on paper i think it's terrible i mean dju is he really an upgrade over bengal branson and like the this largest is, this starting... is gonna be all damian martinez like that's what yeah gonna... i'm pretty excited about damian martinez i don't want to put any yeah. dirt on damian martinez's name he is he is a star. That's my star yeah. out there. Uh, but the largest starting wide receiver on the roster is like 5'11", 174 pounds. I didn't even know any of their names. And I didn't even bother looking them up. I didn't want to look them up at all. But all of them were 5'11", and like smaller than 174 pounds. So, I don't know. Where, yeah, I think, where was uh, – is Childs on the three deep? Yeah, he's number two. Oh, he is number two. Oh, with an or, oh. with an or. With Ben Goldbrand, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't actually see that depth chart, so I was actually wondering where he ended up there. But no. yeah, strong spring report, so I was hoping it would turn into something. Then, yeah, I'm just pumped about Damian Martinez and hope that offensive line can like hold up. That's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, let's head over to UCLA. We have three ors at running back here. DJ Harden, is, TJ Harden is on top. Um, this has to be coach speak. It just has to be. I mean, I could understand the or with like Carson Steele, but the third guy, I gotta look his name up. But like, I was like, nah, this is just him being nice. And then he also put three ors at QB, like Ethan Garber, yeah. um, or Dante Moore, or Colin Schley. Like, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, <laughs> you're going into no week way. one. All three guys no can't way. be on the field at the same time. This isn't the service academy. Like, yeah, there's just no answers here. And unfortunately, it is it is going to be Ethan Garbers that probably takes the first snap, probably plays the first couple of games until the upside is lacking and he can't complete or he can't take this team to the next level. And that's when I think we're going to see Dante Moore come in. But the, the reports really fell off about Dante Moore, like from about right after right near the end of spring to like throughout fall. Like you really haven't heard much about him anymore. Yeah. All right. And then Jim Michael third advanced starting. I don't know if you really care. About we, already, that. we already knew that. Kyle Ford listing at or I don't know if there's any Ford fans out there. You know, I was like an OG Ford fan. <laughs> we all know that here. <laughs> um, uh, KSU, Kansas State University here. Uh, the possible possible conference champion. I don't know. Maybe uh, Keegan Johnson, my my boy there, is starting. Uh, I just want to say that. Mm-hmm. But also the real thing I want to talk about here was Ben Sinat, tight end, uh, who I said was my tight end three for the class. I was shooting from deep for tight end three. 
I don't really have a solidified opinion there, but Dane Brugler actually had Benson out as his tight end three. He's listed at fullback. He's not even listed on the, on the tight end section. I think he was listed like that last year too, though, if I'm not mistaken, which, which he's more of, he's more of like an H back type. Anyways, I still think that there was a connection made there with Will Howard that he's going to be like involved anyways. It's kind yeah, of funny because like the, the involved the spend- as a tight end though, or involved out of the backfield. Like an H, like I don't want, I don't know if I want an H back style tight end going into the NFL draft. Yeah, I don't know. I, the fact that he ranked him as like tight end three was a little bit of an eye opener and was surprising because I definitely didn't picture him as that type. I was more of like the H back type, but I don't know. We'll see if he can kind of evolve into something else this year. But um, yeah, it's definitely a little bit weird. I, I, but the fullback designation is not new to me. I don't feel like that was anything I wasn't expecting. I, yeah. It's more surprising that he was T tight end three for Dan Brugler there. Um, I, I I just wanted to mention as well, a guy that's becoming a little bit of my guy, a little bit of this off season. Um, that's running back DJ Giddens. He, he's the top of the depth chart here. He does have the or with Trayshawn War, who's expected to come in and be a pretty good uh, part of this thing. But Giddens kind of becoming a little bit of a sleeper for me. I like the size, 6'1", 212 pounds. So he has that. 616 yards and six touchdowns last year backing up Deuce. Had some really nice moments catching the ball uh, down the field as well. He ended up with a 6.1 A dot on, on like eight receptions, which is pretty good considering that we generally see what hovering around one yard, two yards, sometimes negative yards. Like it's all like low stuff. He was actually targeted down the field a lot. You know, like he passes the eye test for me. Um, I put a collection of clips on Twitter. If you want to search Giddens and at FF underscore guitarist, you'll see he has this great run against Bama where he hits the spin cycle. Like he just found a way to make like big plays for, for that offense. So he has the size, has the versatility you want to see. I just don't think that you can count him out of this competition, especially with him being listed atop this depth chart. I think Trayson Ward's a little bit light too, is he not? Is he not like he is, yeah. He's like 190 yeah. pounds, like soaking wet. How much how big is Giddens? And I really I never really six, looked into him. Six one, two twelve. Okay. See, like I mean, you know, it could be like a hammer and lightning type of thing, duo. Yeah. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um Going over to Kansas here, uh, <clears throat> we've, uh, I shouldn't say we, mostly Corey before me, that's for sure, has been a Devin Neal fan for, since day one. I almost dropped my phone. Since day one. And um, Kansas has just been a platoon type of rotation for forever. So we've been pretty scared about that. But it's time. It's time, Corey, mm-hmm. for the Devin Neal show. He's listed atop by himself. Everyone below them all has ors next to each other for the number two spot. But it's Devin Neal by himself on top and i just love seeing that yeah they, they never really i felt like they never really committed to him as a team but he's done well when they've given him the volume like last year only four games or 15 touches in those four games he averaged 24 touches for 173 yards and 1.25 touchdowns any of the games you got over 15 touches you know like we threw him on our watch list um for that graphic we made as well that for guys that were looking as climbers like he could be a sneaky guy if they're just gonna like dedicate it to him and let him let him grow as a running back. You know, we know the athleticism is here. We know the size is here. Let's see it all come together for him in his last year before going pro. I don't think like day two is not the question for him. Like I just need to see him get the production profile. Yeah. And they should be, they should be a fun team, man. Like with a healthy Jalen Daniels, if he can stay healthy um, with Devin Neal in the backfield, like it it should be a fun team. Yeah. Um, You wrote down Arkansas on this list. I didn't because I didn't have any opinion about it at all whatsoever. The, The only reason I did, um, there's just two freshmen that were listed on the two deep starting tight end is Luke Haas, who's been 
getting major buzz all offseason. He's locking up a starting tight end position as a true freshman. I think that's something of note, at least for any of you people who at least like to take shots on tight end. That's not really us here. And I will just give a shout out to Davian Dozer, who I talked about in our sleeper freshman, um, just because Arkansas didn't have that much of a wide receiver room. So I started looking at them to their options. This was the highest ranked guy that they brought in this year. Um, he's on the two deep. That's the second outside wide receiver, 6'4", 205 pounds. This, this course is kind of lacking a difference maker, just someone to at least toss on the watch list. South Carolina, uh, no Braswell on the depth chart. They only listed two deep there. So a little bit of note. I just want to say that out loud just for everyone watching at home or paying attention to Braswell. Any comment that, on South Carolina? Does that do anything for you, though? Because, like, I know no. that part of the – well, part of, like, the – the analysis with Braswell was that the early opportunity was part of the reason of ranking him so high. If he doesn't get that, yeah. does he start falling down your rankings? Oh, maybe because it's all it's athleticism plus opportunity uh, for the most part. And then I thought he had a, a bigger frame to add some weight onto, but um, no, not really. I don't think I have him too high either. Yeah. Because I've always been a little bit lower on him, but I was wondering where they went. Also, Lenore Sellers not listed even on the two deep here, but I don't think that's a, a huge surprise to anybody. This is definitely more of a future play. You know, he's probably not ready to really be relied on as a second quarterback right now. I did move Braswell down. I actually looked. I moved him down from down. He's on, he's at twenty two. You know, uh, RB RB seven in his class. It's too high. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't move Will Shipley in front of him, bro. I just can't do it. Oh jeez. I'd rather have, <laughs> oh man, that's it. I'd rather have Will Shipley right now. Yeah, because he, he's gonna go to the NFL, but like <laughs> I like I don't know what he does there, but he'll make it. Uh anyway, going to Oregon. Uh or, Oregon's so annoying. I wrote their name on this list because they're so annoying. Yeah, they I was like, why'd you even write this? They, they didn't even drop a depth chart. They don't have even weights listed on their website for us to look at in the offseason. And then they're like, you know what? We'll just drop a list of names. There's no there's no depth chart. They just dropped jersey numbers. And I'm just like, is, is this legal? Are they legally allowed to do this? Is this some Bishop Sycamore type stuff? They, like trying to cover up stuff? Like, oh. Uh, I just watched BS High, and for all of our viewers, I highly recommend going to watch that one-and-a-half-hour documentary about Bishop Sycamore. It's on HBO. HBO, please sponsor us. Yeah, I got to go see that. I got to catch up on all these. I'm gonna, I got to watch that Swamp Kings. I got to watch this. And then there's a couple of good ones out there. The Manziel one, I haven't even like fully watched that one yet either, but I heard that one's not very good. But we'll I see. heard the highlights were kind of what you saw on Twitter. Yeah, essentially. So um, Okay, anyway, that ends our depth chart rundown. That was pretty fast. Uh, we... Wanted to talk about some G5 guys to watch. We are doing the conference breakdown, and we are going to do a whole G5 conference. We just couldn't think of enough names to really create a whole show, so that was kind of nixed. Because um, of the climate and nowadays uh, co college, all these guys that even show flashes of brilliance, they immediately transfer up. They immediately want whatever NIL deal they can grab and then whatever NFL hype they can grab as well. So as far as like G5 guys, it's just – it's just a bit rare. So we're going to start off with a QB section here. Um, I actually want to start off with Tulane quarterback Michael Pratt. Michael Pratt, to me, six foot three, 220 pounds. Quarterback for Tulane, who by almost everybody is supposed to be the best G5 team this year. I, I, think, I think he's like the G5 version of Will Levis without the struggles and processing. I think he has a really good arm talent. I do think he has that NFL strength. I think he has like... A lot more mobility than giving credit to him. I just think he's Will Levis, but Will Levis couldn't process a defense like worth his life. I think he does a little bit of a better job of that. So 
I think Michael Pratt could really get some buzz here. I mean, they should be able to dominate every single G5 competition they come in touch with and go to the Senior Bowl, maybe ball out. But I think he's like a dark horse like quarterback to watch. Yeah, he's the only G5 quarterback that we listed on that on that NFL draft watch list um, that we posted out there on, on on the Twitter. And you know, he's an interesting guy. Like, um, he does he is a pretty good rushing threat. I think he's like a, probably like a four six five guy though. Like, I wouldn't say like he's anything that's gonna like transfer to NFL level, but he can move around a little bit. He hasn't done anything like super gaudy in the last uh, in the last couple of years. But I was actually watching some of his games uh, this past weekend. His game versus USC um, and, and UCF specifically near the end of the year. There, I actually like some of the arm talent, especially from like a touch perspective. Fairly accurate, um, delivers the deep balls in stride and on time, which is one thing I love to see from from a more so pocket passer. Beautiful arch down the field. Um, the one thing that stood out to me a bit was every time everything around him was working like really well. He delivered a good ball, but the second he had to evade pressure, make a throw on the run, have to reset, you know, the pass has got a little wobble to it. The pass has lost a little bit of a zip. He lost a little bit of a touch on it. You know, like I think he does a good job evading the pressure, but he just doesn't kind of like reset when he's going to throw and the ball just kind of flails on him a little bit, like when he has to go. So I think he wins better from the pocket. He's a little bit more of a one read and go guy too. kind of gets frantic when that first read is gone. But I think there's some good qualities here and one that the ones that at least will help him learn or earn a backup role at the next level, I think. I did notice him getting more comfortable uh, challenging the defense deep as like the year went on last year. So I thought I thought that was kind of cool to notice. I, I, I do want to see him do that more next year. You know, we talk about like yards per attempt. It has gone up all three years he's been playing. Uh, want to see that go up again, though. So I got to watch. Love to see him. Do you have a G5 quarterback you want to talk about, Corey? I do. I'll go a little bit deeper here because we're, we're, you're going to talk about another guy that I think that we should talk about, but I'll leave that one for you. Um, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper here. Um, Braylon Braxton of Tulsa. Okay. 6'3", 222 pounds, has some pretty good athletic traits for a guy that his size. Um, there, there's a clips of him hurdling guys out there doing like all this, all this crazy stuff. But the other thing that stood out to me was just how much the ball flies out of his hand. Like he could use a little bit more touch, but that thing like comes out on a rope. You know, he, he got four games to start down the stretch last year. Um, really impressive final two game stretch, which led to some some portal buzz for him, almost leaving this offseason. But the new Tulsa head coach, you know, convinced him to come back, be the starter. Um, but again, I'm just really looking for traits here. And for me, this guy's got the arm, he's got the size, he's got the mobility, he's only entering his third year. Um now, in one of those final two games as well, he was facing a South Florida team who was being quarterbacked by another guy named Byron Brown. This is a guy that me and you've talked about a little bit in the chats and stuff like that. Kind of a similar story, similar similar size, flashed at the end of the season as well. These two guys, when they played each other, I was just like, there's a lot of traits in between these two guys. I'm more on Braylon Braxton than I am on Byron Brown, at least as an NFL guy. But these are just two guys I think have traits that are very interesting uh, at the G5 level. I mean, it's all long shots to begin with, but this is this is a guy that I'm going to be following. I like Byron Brown. I don't think he's an NFL guy, though. No, no, I don't think like Sorry. Byron Brown is the guy. Just in that game, they were both playing each other. Both okay, gotcha. a little bit. Yeah, but, yeah. but Braylon Braxton is really the guy that I think has a little bit more. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Byron has the tools, but I think he's like kind of a smart guy and he knows that. I think he knows yeah. like not to challenge stuff certain ways. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about here is um, Preston Stone, SMU quarterback here. Waited his turn behind Tanner Mordecai. Um, Heisman hopeful. Uh, better odds than DJU, I hope. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but but uh, um, now Preston Stone is waiting his turn. I think he was like one of the highest rated recruits in SMU history. 
got some good run last year, like week nine. He, it's been limited touches, but he played phenomenal against Tulsa at week nine, uh, going 11 for 219 yards and one touchdown. It's a small sample size. There's not much to say, but I think this guy does have tools, does have traits, has a high-octane offense, so he's able to show those off in that offense. Attached to a pretty good head coach there, too. So the guy to keep your eye on, and I'm kind of excited to see what he can do. Uh, yeah, and that start was Tulsa last year as well. He had an eight out of 15 in that game. Like, he was not afraid to, like, push the ball downfield, which is pretty – I mean, he only completed 11 passes and still threw for almost 250 yards. So it just goes to show you he's not afraid to kind of push the ball down the field a little bit. Um, you know, enters as the clear-cut starter this year with, with Mordecai out. And Mordecai was, like, what, a, a consistent 300 or 3,500-yard guy? You know, I like, think system, higher than that. He was – Yeah, like, the system, like, constantly produces quarterback numbers. So – the size is the biggest barrier for him with me, like 6'1", 209. It's very close to that line. Like if it's fudged yeah. even a little bit, he's going to be riding that line, right? But he's going to have every opportunity to prove he's the dude this year. So if it helps you out, he was 6'2", coming out of high school. Um, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't help now until he lost, <laughs> he lost an inch. <laughs> yeah. Um, went all to his waistline. But anyway, uh, um, the Tulsa game, I just want to say, that was one of the games that Rushy Rice had some drop issues. You know, how they really just have random drop issues. Yeah. Two games. yeah, he has some like two. I remember him having egregious drops in that game. Uh, another um, G5 quarterback that I don't know if we should talk about. I just want to mention him. Where are where's your feelings on Mr. Grayson McCall nowadays? <laughs> okay, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, <laughs> I'm not into him. He's a six year guy, yeah. he has a new OC. I thought he was paired perfectly. I can't remember the coach name who left, but I thought he was paired pretty perfectly there. Um, for for like a two year stretch there, he was like literally like the highest graded PFF quarterback and like the most accurate quarterback in college football. So like he a was lot efficient, of people and he also had like yeah. really good really good weapons as far as G five level goes. It just felt like they were also they're outclassing not only through talent but like through scheme. And it just really, really though I've never even heard it. You've never heard of those guys making any kind of Jared Brown, anywhere. Isaiah Likely, who was like super hot last year well, jared brown then, nowadays but i mean back in the day when he was actually pretty good i can't remember who was his starting wide uh, receiver javon halai javon halai yeah he didn't do nothing though he was a he he was like a day three guy that's pretty good for g5 g5 guys <laughs> don't get this sort of recognition like day three is good for them um, yeah i don't know I, i'm definitely kind of like fa- like leaning more like towards being out on mccall like he has the size i just like his arm doesn't seem to be like an nfl caliber arm ear like like everything's with touch everything like floats everything like he's never throwing like a tight window throw like rifling on a rope or anything like that like he just like everything yeah. just seems like easy and and that offense does create very easy reads it's more like half the field it's like you know like a version of almost of like what tennessee runs but this one has like more like triple option in it sometimes like but um yeah, he's just not a guy that I think that I'm very excited about heading into into the last, NFL. Anyways. Last time you brought up Grayson McCall, I mean, you got into a 30-second tiff because I was like, dude, isn't Seth Hennigan the better G5 quarterback? No, he's still not. I just want to say he's definitely not. I've expanded my taste a little <laughs> bit. I, my palate is a little <laughs> more developed in the G5 section. But I just want to say for my boy Seth Hennigan, I still think he can transfer up like to a mid to low tier like power five team and like be better than some of those guys. I just think it's like a wide receiver playing quarterback. I just looks like to me, man. Okay. But like get out of, get out of Memphis. Like why is he in Memphis? He has to have a really good girlfriend. Like there's no reason for him to stick around in Memphis. Like that place sucks. Why? You think he's good enough to go start somewhere else? Yeah. I said, yeah. And a mid to low tier P five team. Yeah. There's yeah. At least 
Yeah, yeah, he should leave Memphis. I don't know if you're going to Memphis. I wrote, I wrote his profile, I think, last year. I don't even think we put him in the guide this year. But I wrote his profile no, last didn't. year, and I was we not did. impressed at all when I took a deeper look. Like, it's just not impressed. Like, it just, just, just doesn't seem like a guy who's very good at quarterback. I just don't <laughs> like Memphis, bro. You, like, you you drive through Memphis, and you want to lock your windows. It's like the one city you're like, nah, I can't, I can't rock with this crowd here. I got to be safe. So, <laughs> um, the last quarterback I wrote on here, who's a big mystery to me, I can't really find anything besides puff pieces about him. I can't really find anything about him as a player. Ryan Berger, quarterback for App State, was listed as a starter. He is a redshirt freshman, so he is on the younger side and will have multiple years to showcase he can do it. He's not just a a super senior, like six-year guy who's going to play mediocre. We could actually get to see this guy develop as the years go on. There's been really good hype about him. He's supposed to be like a not like a true dual threat. I think he's like one of those guys that's like a scrambler, six foot three, two hundred. Um there's just been so much hype about him behind the scenes. And I don't really get to see it myself, but someone to absolutely put on your radar and just watch how he plays. Yeah, his last name is Burger. I mean, that's that's part of the reason he, he's, he's got an it. NIL deal at the restaurant. He's got his own special yeah. Ryan yeah, Burger at better. a local joint. Take it, you got to take advantage of that. Uh, I don't yeah. know much about Ryan Burger. That's definitely your guy there. So let's go on to wide receivers here. I will go on to my first wide receiver that I'm following at the G5 level. That's Mr. Alex Adams over at Akron. Um, oh, kind wow. of this is this is kind of a little bit of a my guy when it comes to G five wide receivers. I, I talk about him a lot, anyways. And this he's a former LSU wide receiver. Now comes over to Akron, and and you know LSU used to be the hotbed for wide receiver talent, like making it to the NFL. You know, especially around like that twenty twenty year when Alex Adams was a recruit. So I had my eyes on him a little bit, kind of following him. You know, he's six one. Uh, 185 pounds, really strong track and field times. Um, he had a personal best of 10.7 in the 100 meter, uh, 22.2 in the 200 meter. So he was coming into LSU in 2020 with a, a little bit of that difficult COVID situation. Couldn't really break the field with guys. You know, Keishon Butte was there. Terrence Marshall was still there. So um, then he fell behind Butte and neighbors the following year. You know, so eventually he transfers down um, to Akron. A little bit of a slow start, but then just became like this absolute force down the stretch. He had just under 600 yards and six touchdowns in the last five games of the season. Um, so this is just probably a case of a power five talent coming down and playing in the G5 right now. And it's showing on the field. Like he's just a monster out there. So probably still only a day three pick at best, but somebody that could be kind of like under there, like Trey Palmer. I, he didn't transfer down all the way out of P5, but Trey Palmer was a former LSU guy, transferred to Nebraska, finally had his big season and ended up now he's making a little bit of noise in camp or whatever. That's kind of the path that I could picture for Alex Adams. Yeah, I actually like the comparison you made there to Trey Palmer. That's because they're yeah. teammates there. I do think he transferred down, not like down that far. But yeah. I thought Trey Palmer was out-athleting the competition. And when I watched Alex Adams, I was like, this guy's just out-athleting these poor G5 yeah. guys. He's just another clear athlete. I also wrote him on my watch list article, and I put him down as like a, I think a sixth, seventh rounder at UDFA status. It's probably what it's going to be, honestly. He's probably going to be a day three yeah. guy. You know? Yeah. Um. I want to talk about Makai Jackson. So I'll stick with App State there. Makai Jackson was a guy I was pretty excited about. I was digging deep in December of last year. This is like when the regular season's over. He was a Jerry Rice finalist award. That is the FCS uh, for, oh man, I forget the school. Uh, but anyway, um, he had like 900 receiving yards as a true freshman. He was like scored a touchdown, a rushing touchdown, a kick return touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. He... Uh, was used close to line of scrimmage as kind of a gadgety skill set. And then the final like four or five games, they started using him downfield more. So pretty much 
this is literally the most versatile player you can possibly find in existence. Uh, and was just electric. Now, again, this is against FCS competition. So I was watching his transfer portal news very closely. Only got one power five offer to a team that is always patrolling the transfer portal. And that is Mississippi state. And then ultimately went to app state instead of, uh, of, of Mississippi state. So this is a G five guy. I was hoping to transfer up, um, into the power five but again this is just app state he did make the two deep on the app state depth chart as a true sophomore so youngest guy there i'm just pretty excited about this guy there has been some buzz out of camp about him so uh i'm hoping ryan berger and and makai jackson are just gonna be like an electric uh g5 hmm. duo and i think it's not out of the question that it happens yeah, he probably saw a better path of playing time there too. And then Mississippi State, they're always just like rotating these guys in and out. Like, they don't can't... develop anyone. Yeah, yeah they I... don't develop anyone. So it's like I don't, I don't hate the decision to kind of go there and maybe try to make a name for yourself as the guy somewhere else. You know, so I was hoping. Maybe... I remember his school being in like the Carolinas. And I was like, dude, just go to go to South Carolina because they yeah. they patrol the portal too. And I don't think they have too many talented guys there either. Anyway, no, oh, they really don't. But well, they weren't interested, I guess. <laughs> um, okay. So those are a couple of deeper names. Well, well, let, let's talk about a couple of softballs here at the top. The guys that I think everybody's talking about as potential G five wide receivers. I'm going to talk about one guy, um, Mr. Decorian Clark. Talked about him in the uh, news section there. UTSA wide receiver. Um, you know, I think we we had a fun episode last year called "Taking a Ride in My Decorian" when he started to break out last year. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes. Um, he's kind of like a Devontae Walker type freak, a little bit from the G five, right? Six three, two hundred ten pounds, dominant force on the outside. Fifty three receptions for four hundred or seven hundred forty one yards and seven touchdowns, which might not sound that impressive until you hear that he only did that in eight games last year. You know, he got he had the injury, which is you know the big thing that we're watching this um this year him coming back healthy if he's going to start that first week one game which you know if he played that conference championship and bowl game this would have been like he would have been on pace for over 1300 yards this year that or last year so he would have had a a great year very fluid mover at his size able to pluck the ball away from his body like wins in those contested catches situations has reported 40 times anywhere in between 4.42 and 4.47 so that's that's still great speed for a guy that's that size um dude has forced like 30 missed tackles over the last two years which like some receivers don't even hit that in their career, never mind like one of his size either. So this isn't just a catch and fall possession guy. He's making things happen after the catch as well. So he's getting some draft buzz out there already. Senior Bulls talking about him. Um, some other outlets are starting to talk about him. ESPN started talking about him. So the biggest thing we're watching is how he's going to recover from that ACL. And, you know, for a guy that's probably entering like his last season, I don't know what eligibility rules anymore. He might have like two more seasons for all I know, but it would line up that this is going to be his fifth year. This should be his final season. Um, you need to have that big season here. And that's the big worry with him coming off the ACL, if he's going to be healthy enough. Cause then we, sometimes we see problems ACL linger throughout the year. So that's the biggest issue without that. I would have been ready to say, you know, I'm smashing him as a day, as a round four guy, you know, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that early day three guy, but now I just, that, that's my biggest concern here, but I, I really think he's talented. Yeah, no, I, I, don't did you even talk about his hands? I think that's his best trait. Yeah, well, him? I mean, like, yeah, always wins in those contested catch situations. Like he's yeah. like and contorts his body. Like he's very good at, at attacking the ball. I think yeah, I think he's a phenomenal jump ball type of guy with yeah. some a little bit extra there to do like for skill sets there. But anyway, yeah, I, I think he can be like a all depending on his recovery from an ACL, like has like early day three potential. Yeah. Um, going over to 
the real layup, which is where I thought you were going with that buildup, uh, Malachi Corley. Well, he's technically your guy. You wrote him first, so it's like I'm going to give him to you. You know, you write uh, the sheet. Okay. I'm not the mouthpiece for him. I I, <laughs> I watched him extensively, like very recently. I don't really watch mm-hmm. much film. Uh, I watch a lot of film, like really get up to the Debbie guy, and I don't watch too much after that. Um, but I I wanted to do like a session on Malachi Corley. I think he's a really good gadget skill set guy. I think there's a mm-hmm. lot of those type of guys in this class, but I will say he is my number one gadget skill set guy for this class uh he's not much of a route runner to me and i do think he's a little bit stiffer than other people give him credit for um runs upright like he he runs like almost like ap you know when he has the ball in his hands like it's <laughs> it's kind of weird to see a receiver do that so I, I think he's a gadget guy um those type of skill sets for the nfl really aren't used that much you know you got like debo you got curtis samuel but like after that like they're not really guys you want to put in your lineup on a weekly basis. So it's hard to say what his ceiling is. Um, and I don't think he's a Curtis Samuel or Debo level type of gadget skill set. Um, so I, I don't know. I, there's definitely some day two upside in him. I just don't know what his impact is going to be the next level. He'll make the next level. I think he'll make a roster, um, make the cuts that just actually happened today. Um, but again, I don't know what his fancy upside is. Yeah, like right now he's getting day two buzz, like from all of the outlets right now. Everybody's it's, it's fav- their favorite G5 wide receiver right now. He's up to 210 pounds, which is a nice build for him. What is he, 5'11", 210 pounds. So yeah. very stocky, like slot wide receiver. Like to me, I know he's probably a little bit more gadgety on, on the collegiate level, but like I always said, like I think he has a future in the NFL, like like your Jeremy Curleys, like your Greg Dorches, like your maybe your Sterling Shepherds on the high end, you know, without all the injuries or something like that. Like, I think like more he, like – like- Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I'm trying to get other like yeah, but he, we're like those kind of slot Anthony, reliable Anthony wide receivers. Schwartz. Yeah, like or Anthony Schwartz though. No, that yeah, he wasn't reliable. But I think I think yeah. that I, should, I really think that Tori that was just a speed guy. Like I don't know if I like I think Corley's probably quicker than than deep speed. Like I think he has good change of direction, but yeah. I don't think he's like yeah. I don't think he's like a deep speed guy or anything like that. So I don't think no, that's but they, they the use Schwartz as if he was a gadgety guy. I just did not. Yeah. Work. So I mean, there'll be a role for him at the NFL level. Um, I think he will transition but maybe maybe he'll be the type of guy who's like a more valuable ppr option if that's something you you want to put on his resume but not a guy that like i'm going out there and attacking to be honest he's the one guy though out of all the g5 that i feel good about saying that like there's some definite day two uh, you just said there's day two buzz but it's yeah. I, I think i think i think third round is well within his grasp i think he can definitely do that he easily has the most hype of any G5 wide receiver right now. So I, I know we're being a little bit critical, but this is probably the guy that you can expect to, of all these guys, right? at least right now, have a better expectancy to be a D2 guy. Uh, the last guy here on the list, I also watched tape on, and I totally forgot everything about him, <laughs> even when I'm looking, staring at his name. But that's going to be Torrey Horton, wide receiver from uh, Colorado State University, uh, also transferred over from Nevada. So he's going to his fourth year, but he's coming off a 1,131 receiving season. Um, Man, I just, I don't know. I don't think there's anything special. There's no NFL traits here for me. Like when I watch him play, I'm like not impressed with anything he does. He's just always very productive. He's kind of a stiff, big possession wide receiver is like kind of what I feel about him. Like, I think Austin put it perfectly in the chat when, when we did discuss him a little bit after your film watching watch a uh, session there that he says a lot of wasted movement in what he does. And I do think that like, he yeah. like he tries to be more of a more shiftier than he is sometimes, or tries to like do breaks and stuff like that. When it's just like, you're a big, like when you're not that guy, pal. yeah, you're not, you're that, not, guy, that, you're guy. not that guy, pal. So, um, 
he will probably be super productive this year. I'm pretty excited to have him on a couple of C2C teams, but he'll be a guy I'm watching a little bit more. I haven't dove into him as much as you and Austin have. Um, but yeah, those are at least some of the feelings that I, that I generally get from his profile. Also, when you do watch him, the August St. Juice or whatever, there's, there's another guy there that's like, young yeah, I, I've taken much. him in a couple of drafts. Yeah. St. Sim, I, think, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Simmons. I think Juice, he's, or, I don't know. No, St. Juice is a is a is a DB that's like with the uh, right Redskins right now. But anyway, sorry. Uh, the <laughs> whenever you get to him, bro, I think he's super stiff too. Whenever you like see him, I'm just like this guy is getting way too hyped. For no Justice Ross Simmons. I knew it was something. Justice Simmons. Ross yeah. Simmons. Yeah, same Dude, thing. Six three two five. They love they love that build. That guy is not athletic. It, I there's less to see there than Tory Horton. I think he's very replaceable. Like, I this think is supposed to be G5 guys that we're watching and we're just talking shit about <laughs> Okay. I'm just saying, LSU could have another guy transfer down to, to Colorado State tomorrow. He's going to be way better than, oh. uh, than Justin Ross Simmons. All right. Anyway, let's go on okay. running backs. Running yeah, backs, let's, running let's backs. talk about some upside here. This is probably the one area that we do see. I mean, G5 wide receivers do too, more in-depth roles. But sometimes we do see some guys come from the running back position, at least in G5, one. make a little bit one. noise. There's one. one. Who? There's one for me. Ashton Gentry is really it. I think ah, okay. he's 5'8", five, five, I believe he's listed at 210. I, I think he's a very elite pass-catching running back. And I think that's going to be his role at the next level. Um, although he was a very efficient runner and that's pretty exciting. And I want to sit here and say, he's going to be the next Jamar Gibbs. And I think, I think in a perfect world that could happen, but that's just not going to happen. It's just not like, let's be real. But I, I think, I think he's a passage running back that isn't, isn't a non-factor in the running game, but they can offer some plus in that section. I think he averaged like 6.9 yards per carry this last season. Anyway, I'm pretty pumped about him. I wish George Kalani moved on this year so I could see more Aston Genty. The depth chart did have Genty as the clear number two. There was no or. Um, so I'm really just – I'm thinking it's almost going to be a copy and paste from last year's production, which is fine. I just wish it would happen sooner. Like, I mean, I know that we're liking seeing this production. I know that we're liking – it's like I feel like I'm souring a little bit on Genty just because, like, I look, even look at George Kalani's career, okay? We thought he could have been a Debbie guy early in his career. He had a freshman season better than Genty had. Rest for over a thousand yards, same 5.3 yards per attempt. Like, I just don't know if this is like more of a system thing or if, if I should actually be looking at Genty as more of like a prospect, like as like a Debbie prospect. He has had those moments of efficiency, fantastic spring game this year. He's turned small amount of touches into big plays and touchdowns. So that's one thing that I'm very excited about. And that's one thing that you like to see is that, that, that high level of efficiency, but I'm souring on him a bit, uh, a little bit, just a little uh, bit, just I did need to correct myself. It's 5.3 yards per carry. I did. I said 6.9. It does a pretty big difference. I had to correct yeah, myself. Yeah, that's okay. That I corrected you anyways. But that's okay. okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> yards per contact, though, 3.88. That's pretty high. 50 yeah. missed tackles, four, 156 carries. Yeah, I don't think he's a bad no. player. So I don't, definitely I one think, that we should be watching. Yeah, pass catching with some rushing upside. Probably like a fourth rounder when we get to the NFL draft. For me. For me. Here's you want to go on to your next one? Uh, here's an interesting one. I like, just want to kind of get your thoughts on anyways. How, what are you feeling about Rashina Ali now? This guy was probably everybody's favorite G5 wide receiver coming into maybe this season, maybe last season, uh, I guess, or maybe coming into this season. Um, maybe not you. I know you've been, always been a Genty fan, but do you have any thoughts on Ali coming into this year? Yeah, so since since they've picked me up, as in Canvas Skin has hired me on as a contributor, 
I have always said he's just the next sincere McCormick. And I still believe that. I don't think there's any difference in skill set here. And this Are is you, the running back from Marshall. You literally stole that from away. a tweet. You literally stole that from a tweet from me. I put I'm pretty that sure out, I said like, that myself. Did I put I that, that out myself? years ago. No I, way. Because I probably like, said it. You're probably you're always trying to copy me. No way. I didn't even always. meet you yet. We weren't even doing this yet. <laughs> he's sincere McCormick. I've been saying that. I've been, <laughs> if there's one thing I've been consistent about here at this company, it's 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 – the overrated of Marshawn Lloyd and Rasheen Ali. All right, Mike, take another one of my takes. But anyways, this system last year, when we saw Kalen LeBorn, which, oh, by the way, there was a very good five-star prospect at one point in time as an all-purpose back. But when he pretty much repeated the exact same thing in this system, then I was just like, oh, man, like this is probably just a system thing. I don't know if there's anything extra special here. Like the one thing Rasheen Ali did have on top of him was the catches, like almost 50 catches that one year. Um, so it's, that's probably the one upside he has, but yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, a little bit lower on him as well. Uh, but one guy that I am a little bit interested in at least is a running back over at UTSA who I know that you don't like as much because of some unflattering pictures that were posted recently, but that's one <laughs> Mr. Kavorian Barnes who had a pretty strong finish to last season, five, nine, 215 pounds, apparently up to 220, which might be the reason for some of those pictures. Maybe a little bit of off-season weight there. He did He did look a little bit round in the stomach, I have to say that. So hopefully he trims down for the season. But he did catch my eye last year. He didn't receive double-digit touches to like week seven last year, but had over 100 yards rushing in five of the last eight games. 6.5 yards per uh, per carry clip there. Um, had some big play potential as well. Showcase some power, showcase some burst. UT- UTSA is also a pretty potent offense that could see him put up some pretty good numbers there you know as the start of this year a lot of people are starting to take him in that upper tier of g5 running back when you're talking about nc2c and stuff he's one of those first g5 wide receiver uh running backs that get taken and i think there's maybe a little bit of intrigue there as a guy who could grow into a day three nfl draft pick every time there's like weight gain reports i try my hardest to find pictures <laughs> yeah i think kavorian barnes could be like a mall santa by like next year don't say if he that. Keeps, if he keeps his rate up. If no, he keeps... he's if he keeps his rate up. He's got an opportunity in front of him. Hopefully he sees that and he just locks down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. I mean, oh, look, G5 guys are not known for their athleticism. The last like G5 running back to be relevant in the NFL, like like draft-wise, was probably Kareem Hunt. And even Kareem Hunt ran like a 4-6 at the combine. So he wasn't really like a, a athletic freak. So I don't know. I, I usually with these G5 guys, receivers and running backs both, I need them to be like special and like noticeably special. Yeah. The way like the way like Deontay Johnson was noticeably special when he played in D five. Um, so, We're also seeing a lot of these good guys who are good transferring up now with the new transfer right portal rules, yeah. right? You know, like the FCF the FCS leaders are all transferring up. Bishop Tootin is in a place. Cameron Scadabo is in a new place in Power Five now. Aiden Robbins was a guy when we first talked about the show. I wanted to talk about him, and now he's at BYU, so I can't talk about him anymore. So there's just a lot of guys that are just starting to to move up now that the the pool is getting a little bit less to to pick. Yeah, from, so. yeah. So I, yeah, yeah. So I I can't endorse that. Sorry, I can't even say. I think it's. I don't even know if he's UDFA. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> could be running back the running back is getting very devalued on the nfl level i mean if if your favorite g5 running back makes it into an nfl camp you should probably be pretty happy yep uh guys that that does it for our show tonight that's it Kavorian barnes killed the conversation Corey. congratulations <laughs> i'm, I'm <laughs> sorry <laughs> um uh, go ahead and grab your home field apparel t-shirt for the code campus number two kin for 15% off. Go ahead and celebrate week one is here. All of football is back. 
from Mike and from Corey. Good night and good luck.